0: You know, sometimes it's difficult to come up with new things to talk about. What's even more difficult is when I, the Lord gives me things that I know I've talked about, but He gives them to me in a little bit of a different way. So maybe it's because I needed to hear it in a different way, or you need to hear it in a different way. So that's what He's given me for tonight. There is a rare blessing that's found in the Talmud. And I referred to it before. And it's usually used in a large gathering. And I think this qualifies. It, But it's as opposed to being an individual blessing. And it goes like this. Baruch ata Adonai Eloheinu haolam harazim. Blessed are you, eternal our God. Knower of secrets. See, knower of secrets. It's, Not what you might expect to call God within a blessing in a large group. Because usually secrets is something you have as an individual. You and God have your own conversation. It's not usually something he shares with everyone else or would you share with everyone else. But in this blessing, we're affirming God's ability to know each and every one of us. In the dreams that we don't share with anyone else. In the pains that we just can't confess to anyone else. And even in our hidden joys, especially in a large assembly. Sometimes it's just things we can't share. But God knows them. God knows us intimately, each and every one of us. So when this prayer was offered, when the rabbis instituted this prayer for the Knower of Secrets, it was affirming that God knows the deepest parts of your heart, even if you can't express it to anyone else. It's been said that this particular blessing was uttered at Mount Sinai when the Israelites were gathered to receive and accept God's covenant. The fact that we... Just read Parashat Nitzavim this past Shabbat, and it looks back at Sinai, at the giving of the covenant. It seems to be an appropriate blessing for tonight. Bless you, Lord our God, knower of secrets. What secrets do you have that you only can share with God? That you only dare share with God? He doesn't condemn you for them. Sometimes you don't share your secrets with others because of the fear of being condemned. He's not going to condemn us for our secrets. Because we are here tonight and in this entire season, we affirm a communal covenant. Each one of us with our own secrets. Each one of us with our own yearnings. Each one of us with our own frailties. But we come together as a community. And we're bringing our individual hopes together tonight in this service. However private they may be, you brought them with you. They're in your hearts. They're in your mind. In Nitzavim, an entire nation prepares for a journey to a new place. And they hear from their rabbi, Moses, in Deuteronomy 29, verse 9, You are standing here today, all of you. Why? Verse 11 tells us, Each of you is to cross over into the covenant of Adonai, your God, that he is cutting with you today, and into his oath. And I apologize if the what you're seeing up on the screen may not be in sync with what you're hearing me read because I'm using the Tree of Life version and it doesn't always match up with whatever we're using tonight. But again, verse 9 says, you're standing to, today all of you, Chuchem. Or as as I said once before, for the benefit of Ron, who's not here tonight, all y'all. No one was left out. No one was left without being included. It was all inclusive, the entire community. He used those words, all of you, for a reason. Was it because it required all of Israel to take that step? It requires all of Israel to enter into the covenant relationship with God. It wasn't an individual thing. And Moses knew it was meaningless to commit himself to God all by himself. It had to be a communal thing. The covenant was being forged between who? The generations past present and future. And we read that in verses 13 through 14 where it says, Not with you alone am I cutting this covenant and this oath, but with whomever is standing here with us today before Adonai our God and with whomever is not here with us today. That's you and I. That's our children, our grandchildren, those coming after us all of those that weren't standing there today were included in this speech by Moses. So just like we're supposed to look at ourselves as having been delivered out of the Egyptian bondage, in in that sense, each of us was standing there at Sinai. And each of us is included even now. We all learned from Moses that no one stands alone in a moment of making a covenant. It's a community effort. It's a community covenant. Even as I stand in my commitment to uphold the ancient covenant with God, I'm aware of all the people who stand with me. I need you. And we need each other as we move forward together. You're standing today, all of you, before Adonai, your God. Moses is saying, in case you might think you're not included, he makes a list in verses 9 through 14. The heads of your tribes, your elders, your officials, all the men of Israel, your children, your wives, And the outsider within your camp from your wood chopper to your water carrier. Each of you is to cross over into the covenant of Adonai, your God, that he is cutting with you today and into his oath. This is in order to confirm you today as his people. So he will be your God, just as he promised you and just as he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob. Not with you alone, as I read before. Am I cutting this covenant and this oath? But with whoever is standing here with us today before Adonai, our God, and with whomever is not here with us today. See, this particular passage, it's an an important statement in Torah that is given in each and every generation. It's a never-ending covenant. God is a never-ending God. The covenant he made at Sinai still stands today and should be on all of our hearts to follow and obey him. It's given in each and every day, in each and every generation. It's similar to what we do when we celebrate Simcha Torah. We renew our commitment to Torah as we begin the reading cycle all over again. For anyone here tonight that has never experienced Simcha Torah and doesn't know what it's about, when we finish reading through the five books of Moses, when we get to the end of Deuteronomy, at the 12th verse, we roll the scroll back. In some synagogues, they actually have another scroll, so they don't have to roll it back. But We have fun with it with the music we play. And if you're here that day, you'll get to experience that. If it's your first time, you'll get a kick out of it, I'm sure. But we begin reading again at Genesis chapter 1. Why is that? Why after a whole year long reading through these five books do we start over again and read the same five books over and over again? It's to teach us and remind us that God's Word never ends. That God's Word is fresh, it is true, and it continues on even when you might think you finished reading. Batya and I have a separate tradition. We read through the entire Bible. Every day we read a chapter, sometimes more if they're smaller chapters, sometimes less if they're really long chapters like Psalm 119. We won't read that all in one sitting usually. But when we get to the end of Revelation, what do we do? The same thing we do in Simchat Torah. We start over at Genesis and we read again. Others have traditions similar, but it's all to remind us who we are and who our God is. It keeps it fresh in our minds as we continue to repeat the words of God over and over again. Rabbi Levi Yitzchak of Berditchev once said, However much we learn, we should always remember that we have not even reached the first page. The greatest lesson of Torah is that it is never complete. We are always starting Again. Leviticus chapter 23, verses 23 to 25, tell us what we're doing beginning tonight. Adonai spoke to Moses saying, speak to B'nai Israel saying, in the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you are to have a Shabbat rest. A memorial of blowing shofarot, a holy convocation. You are to do no regular work, and you are to present an offering made by fire to Adonai. So tonight, we celebrate Yom Teruah, also known as Rosh Hashanah. If you want to know the history of Rosh Hashanah, check my message from a couple of weeks ago. But this continues this time of introspection, self-examination, repentance, that we began at the beginning of the month of Elul. Tonight, we exited the month of Elul. That was a time of preparation. We've now entered a time that is the beginning of Asaret Yame Teshuvah, or the ten days of repentance. Also known as the days of awe. And that leads us up to Yom Kippur, the day of atonement. The main theme of the fall holidays is repentance. Yom Teruah serves as a warning cry for us to wake up and to repent. Some of the traditional foods we heard about in our song include sweet apples dipped in honey. And we'll be enjoying that in a few minutes tonight. The challah, which is made sweeter and shaped in a circle, which is symbolic of completeness and a never-ending sweetness. And that's what life in Yeshua is supposed to be about, a never-ending sweetness. We should be enjoying that. In rabbinic thought, it's supposed to bring a sense of optimism. Since the feast of is main themes are repentance and atonement, it could cause this time of the year to be very somber and and remorseful. As Steve said, we're supposed to have fun. We're supposed to have joy. The obvious question is, why? And the answer, of course, is tradition. Why do we do what we do and how we do it? Because the Torah doesn't spell out exactly how we're supposed to do these things. It just tells us we're supposed to do it. We're supposed to keep the Feast of Trumpets. How? So, I've heard schools of thought on both ends of the spectrum. Some say we should never pay attention to what the rabbis told us because that that we're in a time of grace and we're in a time of mercy. Okay, I agree with that. But if you don't listen to what the rabbis said, we don't know how to do some of the things we do. So where are we? I say it's okay to do the things the rabbis said as long as it doesn't violate the principle of Torah. As long as it's not a violation of what Yeshua died to establish. I think it's okay. That's why you will hear me quote from the Talmud. You will hear me quote the rabbis. There are certain ones I won't quote for for obvious reasons. But we would not know how to do some of the things that we do in our traditions because they weren't written, they weren't spelled out. So what do we do? There's another rabbinic tradition that's attached to this day. It's called Tashlik. And we're going to be doing that tomorrow for those of you who are going to join us in in Irvine It's the act of casting breadcrumbs into a moving body of water, which symbolizes the removal of our sins. important thing is it symbolizes. You see, the rabbis that wrote the instructions on how we do certain things, they don't follow the fact that Yeshua already did that. A lot of the things we do, we do at the right time, but we do them because of the traditions that were attached to them. Is there anything wrong with doing Tashlik? A symbolic casting of bread on the waters to cast away your skin, sins. No. So, why not do it? Why not do what the rest of the Jewish community is doing? If we want to attract the Jewish community, we can't do things that are foreign to them. These are the things that they do. And if they see that we skip over those things, oh, they're just pretending to be Jewish. They don't do things the right way. We were having a discussion earlier. The thing is, it's considered the, the blessing you did on the, the lighting of the candles tonight is not the traditional, typical blessing. That blessing, in essence, the one that's traditional, typical, Says, thank, uh, blessed you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who has commanded us to light the, sh- the holiday lights or the Shabbat lights or whatever the holiday is. Show it to me. It's not in here. The rabbis said that. But, there's an important thing to note. In Judaism, if the rabbis said a certain thing, it's as if God said it in the Torah. That's why they follow some of those things. So if you said you commanded us to light the lights, there's nothing wrong with saying that. We choose to use the blessing we use, citing that He is the God of light, and He gives us light. But not that He commanded us to light the lights. But is there anything wrong with saying He commanded us? No. Because if I were to make a rule for Adat and make it halakha, make it law for Adat, it would be binding here at Adat. But if you go to uh, Shuva, they won't observe it because it's not binding there. See, the rabbis could write halakha. If it's something that's beneficial to the people, it's a good thing. That's where you have to weigh it out. When is it good? When is it bad? When do I listen to the rabbis? When do I ignore the rabbis? I'm talking about the ancient rabbis, okay? Present company excluded from that. In Micah chapter 7, verse 19, we read, He will again have compassion on us. He will subdue our iniquities. And you will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. That's where they got Tashlik from. That's why we do it, symbolically. Again, my sins were covered by the blood of Yeshua. Okay, I said it on Shabbat. By Jewish tradition, at the end of Yom Kippur, when the great shofar sounded, the, the, the tekiah gedolah, the doors are closed. The books are closed. Anyone who has not repented and come back to the Lord, repentant, will be written in the book of of the wicked. Now, in traditional Judaism, that's horrible. Because what happens if you die in the next 355 days before Rosh Hashanah comes back around? You die written in the book of the wicked. We don't have to worry about that. Because maybe it's the next morning, or maybe it's the day after that when you sin again. Do you want to have to wait? for nearly a year before you can come to repentance and be forgiven from that sin? We don't have to. Yeshua took care of that. All we have to do is turn to Him and cry out, and He'll forgive us. We have 24-7, 365 access to forgiveness. But there's nothing wrong with the symbolism of casting our bread on the waters. Hearing the shofar being blown is a commandment for this holiday. We just read that in Leviticus twenty-three. Each of the calls has a meaning that's been traditionally traditionally associated with them. Tekiah calls for us to search our hearts, turn from sin, and seek forgiveness. Shevarim it typifies our sorrow when we realize our misconduct. Teruah calls us to stand by the banner of God. And on the final day, Tekiyah is a final appeal to sincere repentance and atonement. See, rabbis didn't say this, but I'm going to say this. This is just me. But the Tekiyah Gedolah is a long blast And as it says here, it's a final appeal to sincere repentance and atonement. So during that long blast, you have one more chance before that blast is done to repent and seek forgiveness. It's like you're getting that last chance to turn yourself in. The whole idea of the Knower of Secrets and our call to repentance is actually connected, once again, to the Parsha, in Deuteronomy 29, verse 28, it says, The secret things belong to Adonai, our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever in order to do all the words of this Torah. So those secret things belong to God. But those secrets are kept with each and every one of us. We could sometimes spend a lot of time Discussing other people's intentions. How many times have you heard, or you may have said it yourself, well, she didn't mean it. How do you know what she meant? Or he's only being nice because. See, Torah reminds us that when it comes to intentions, only God can know them. He knows the intentions of our hearts. I don't know the intention of your heart. You don't know mine. But God knows. See, we should focus on the actions and the deeds because that's the only things we can really judge on. What someone's thinking, we don't know. We can only judge them by what they do or what they don't do. For the exa- for example, the act of tzedakah, charity, can become tainted when someone... Gives for the wrong reason. Am I telling you not to give? No, I'm not telling you not to give. But if you give for the wrong reason, again, the knower of secrets knows your reason. But if a gift is given to gain honor or to get a year-end tax deduction, the gift's not negated. The gift was still given. Because it still helps someone. Or an organization or congregation. So the the gift still stands, but that person has to deal with the knower's secrets on their intentions for giving the gift in the first place. We can only judge that act of tzedakah itself, but not the intention of how a person, why the person gave it. As individuals, We can only judge ourselves by what we do or don't do. The high holy days are about working to do better. We can't just resolve to do better or promise to correct our mistakes. We have to make the effort to actually change. To say you're going to change is easy. But trust me, sometimes changing is hard. I know that. Repentance in Hebrew is teshuvah. It's about turning. So as we continue through these days of awe, these ten days of repentance, let's all use that time to turn and better our lives. To better ourselves to correct our failings, and most importantly, to repair our relationships. Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we thank you and we bless you for this time. We know that all we have to do is call out to you for for forgiveness and we will receive it. But we also know that as we stand before you tonight, we do so. Within the traditions and customs of your people. And we give you honor in the things we do, the things we say. We pray that you would continue to help us as we walk this walk with you. Continue to allow your Ruach to be patient with us. Accept our failings. Remind us that we have failed so that we can turn back to you and seek your forgiveness. Thank you, Lord, in Yeshua's name. Amen.